This is SR1. All right, everybody, here we go. Today is Sunday, July 16th, 2023. My name is Rob Carter. Thanks for joining us here at SR1 and News Talk STL. Back to business this week. I have a ton of information to share with you. Last couple of weeks, we were in St. Louis doing studio shows. Started with Kevin Slayton. We have talked about that in depth. Kevin Slayton is obviously a big fan of Donald John Trump. And as discussed... He did not like what I had to say, didn't even really give me a chance to say it because he is so enamored with Donald Trump that you can't really have a conversation with people like that. They won't hear anything negative. They won't allow the conversation. I hope that changes. Also had a conversation with Jamie Allman. Jamie Allman, been around St. Louis politics. He uh, leans right, obviously. Uh, Gave me a platform to have the conversation with him. I thought it went fantastic. I'm very appreciative of the way Jamie Allman handled the situation. I believe he is a Trump fan as well, but he is also willing to have the conversation and have perspective on his show. Then we had a studio interview with local broadcaster and sportscaster Doug Vaughn. Now, Doug Vaughn, I wanted to have on the show because I was told that he had a concern about a vaccine injury that he may have had. He took the vaccine, said he was healthy his entire life, Took the vaccines because he believed everybody needed to take it at the time. There was uh, chaos in America. The establishment, everybody was saying you had to get vaccinated for the greater good. He did it. And shortly thereafter, he had a stroke and it has changed. It has changed his lifestyle, obviously. But I tell you, he handles it terrifically. Uh, Seems to be a very, very nice person. And I really appreciate that Doug Vaughn came on and told that story. And then... I had Missouri Senator Nick Schroer, who'll be on at 8 o'clock tonight, right after my show. Got to sit down with him, have a long conversation. What a great guy. What a smart guy. Uh, for a young person, he's, uh, he's a very bright character. I hope he does great things for the state of Missouri. Today, we have a lot to get, uh, we have a lot to get through. I want to talk about the Sound of Freedom movie. I have not seen it yet. I'm going to see it. I know everybody's like, well, you haven't seen it yet. I've just been traveling. I have a lot of business to take care of. I have not seen the movie yet. But I've been covering the child trafficking story for quite some time. Uh, If you want to get into the pedophile and child trafficking stories, the MKUltra, the Satanism, all of the things that surround human trafficking, you might want to join the podcast. I really get into depth in the podcast because it's, it's a touchy subject. When you really explain the story, it's brutal. Um, And you have to tell the story in context, and it's hard to listen to at times because there's so much out there that is disturbing that most people don't want to, they don't want to face it, they don't want to think about it, but uh, we have children in this country. I'm talking about children between the ages of six months and eight years old that are being trafficked into this country, sold and distributed to pedophiles, and they are being raped And it's disgusting, it's sickening, it must stop. Does God give us protection if we turn our eye to the things that are going on in this country? At least the things that are being uh, bantered about. We're talking about massive amounts of young children 
crossing our border unidentified and then being passed around like toys to pedophiles in this country and around the world. And it just has to stop. It ha- we have to not just talk about it anymore. There must be some action by the American people to stop this from happening. It, it, it just must stop. We're going to get into MK Ultra a little bit because Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is now making mention of it. I'm going to give you some club ep- updates as I talk about the entire narrative and stories that are going on within the country. I'm going to tie in again club members and how they operate within the system. Again, when people say they, when they say uh, when they the, this uh, mysterious figure that we can never figure out, they are doing this. They are putting in digital currency. They are allowing child trafficking around the world. I want to tell you who they is within this country. You can see who they is if you stay connected to it and you pay attention. As stated several shows ago, and I'll play it again uh, sometime within uh, the next couple of hours, Newt Gingrich said on Fox News that the skull and bones, the secret societies of this country, are trying to hold on to power with everything they got. And he mentions the schools, Harvard, Yale, and Princeton. I expand that out to the London School of Economics, Georgetown, Columbia, and Oxford. But that grouping of schools clearly is where the power lies. It's where the money lies, and it's where the CIA and the intelligence apparatus, this is where they groom their people, clearly. I mean, if you just pay attention to it, it is obvious because when you really stay in tune with what's going on, you hear what they have to say. It makes no sense. But it's over and over again. Every time I see somebody on the media that says something absolutely ridiculous, something that I know is a lie, I look them up, and they come from one of the club schools. So we're going to talk about that again today. Christopher Ray was before Congress, our FBI director, Donald Trump appointee. John Kerry was in front of Congress. John Kerry from Yale, Christopher Ray from Yale. Uh, John Kerry's out there pushing the climate change agenda because... Again, these are global con jobs. These are grifters. These these are thieves. They consolidate power and they make money off of these cons. And I got to tell you, it would be wonderful if America could, could wake up and see it and make it almost impossible for these people to move around without a microphone in front of their face saying, what about this? What about that? Can you explain this? This congressman that goes after John Kerry does a terrific job. And we'll play that clip just a little bit later on. Mike Pence is in trouble. Uh, He had a slip-up with Tucker Carlson. I want to play that clip for you. I want to explain a couple things there because Tucker Carlson, uh, his father, Dick Carlson, we've mentioned it on the show, but I want to bring him back up. There's more information coming out about Dick Carlson, who was in the CIA, and I'm not saying Tucker Carlson is a bad guy. I'm not saying anything of the sort. But again, anybody that you are following that is giving you the news, they should have to answer questions, including Tucker Carlson, including anybody that's in the media. We have to know who these people are and what their potential motives may be and where they're coming from because the right questions are not being asked of our leaders. And the only one out there that's doing a good job of communicating with the American people, sitting down for long-form interviews, two, three hours, and I mean, if you look up Robert F. Kennedy Jr. right now, he has two- and three-hour interviews one after another. I mean, he must have 100 hours worth of interviews out there, and it appears that the, he'll go on anybody's show and he'll answer any questions. That's the kind of person that should be president. 
If you can sit down with kings and you can sit down with peasants and answer their questions and look them in the eye and say, I want what is best for this country. I want to follow the Constitution. I want to expose the intelligence agencies. I want to stay out of war. And I want to lead the country. I want to stop the polarization. I want our country to be better. I want them to be alert. I want them to be aware. I want them to be truly informed, not indoctrinated, but educated. Those are the people that we have to put up on a pedestal. We have to pay attention to what they say. If they have somebody with a different ideology that wants to go out there for three hours and have those conversations, let's see those debates. Let's have a an informed America once again. And we're going to start in the show me state right here in Missouri. We're going to start it right here, and it's going to spread uh, and I'm going to do everything I can to make that happen. The cocaine story, the Hunter Biden and Joe Biden cocaine story that everybody was up in arms with chewed up maybe, what, a week, 10 days? That was the key narrative. And as I said on my show last week, I told Phil, and Phil, Phil agreed, uh, this will amount to nothing because they none of these stories amount to anything. These are distractions. As we talk about cocaine in the White House, the system of entrapment continues to move forward. Digital currency, digital money, a digital prison is being built in the around this country and around the world as we play games, as we go on vacations, and I want everybody to enjoy their life and have a great time. I'm getting ready to head to see the British Open uh, tomorrow with my son and my father. I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. Um, so I, I agree with everybody going out and enjoying their lives. But we must be aware of what is happening. And as this election in 2024 starts to take shape, we have got to put so much pressure and so much energy into questioning anybody that is in a position of power. We we must ask very difficult questions. We can't be afraid to ask difficult questions. We must do it. Everybody in the media must sign a pledge, something that says we will ask difficult, very in, uh, intrusive questions to our leaders because we're past the point of no return if we allow AI and we allow digital currencies and a digital prison to be built. Uh, and it, Agenda 2030, if you know what it is, it's coming down the pipe. Oh, it's, it's coming fast, and most people don't even know what it is. They're not paying attention to it. But the people that uh, go to the World Economic Forum that control the policy out of the United Nations the United Nations and then all of the United Nations policies policies start to uh, filter down into countries around the world and you start to see a one-world system being put into place, uh, it's scary. Uh, it's disturbing and people must be aware of it and we must stop it before it goes too far. And then we have more information about COVID and the vaccines. Um, as stated from the very beginning, I believe the gene therapies that they sold as vaccines and I hold Donald Trump responsible for it a lot of people don't they say you know he got misled what could he possibly do he had to listen to Fauci he had to listen to Burks he couldn't listen to anybody else he couldn't use common sense he couldn't recognize that you can't shut down society and allow the largest wealth transfer in history to take place under your watch and then say give me another chance coach let me back in let me come back in without answering some very difficult questions I want to start First clip of the day, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Um, talking about addiction. Now, these are the kind of conversations that give you insight to who this man is. Uh, this is a conversation about addiction, about the power of God in his life. And I think these are the kind of conversations that all of these candidates running for office, whether it be federally, 
at the state or the local level. You have to sit down and you have to get information from our leaders. If they're going to represent you in a representative government, they have to be willing to sit down and lay uh, lay their soul right in front of you. you got to know who these people are. No longer can we just listen to rhetoric and think it's okay to put these people in power because it's not working out, is it? You see what's going on with inflation. You see the polarization in this country. We have a, a, a potential nuclear war beginning to, develop, beginning to develop in Ukraine and Russia. Things have gotten out of hand. We have a bumbling, stumbling moron for a president. We don't even know that he uh, has anything to do with the decision-making of this country, and yet we just act like it's not. You know, if, so, uh, as long as life is okay, we just allow these things to happen. Here's the first clip of the day. This is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. talking about God in his life. Clip number one, ready, go. And if I make a whole bunch of those choices right, that um, I maintain myself in a posture of surrender, which keeps me open to the power of, to my higher power, to my God. And when when I do those things right, um, when I, you know, so much about addiction is about abuse of power, you know, abuse of all of us have some power, whether it's, you know, good looks or whether it's, uh, you know, connections or education or, or family or whatever. And there's always a, temp- a temptation to use those to fill, fulfill self-will. And the challenge is how do you use those always to serve instead God's will and, the, you know, the, the good of our community. And that, uh, to me, is kind of the struggle. And but when I do that, I feel... I feel God's power coming through me. I feel God's power coming through me. I like guys like this. Now, if people are not religious and they haven't had a spiritual intervention in their life, something that just kind of changed the way they felt about a spiritual reality, then they don't know what you're talking about. But those of us who have had a spiritual intervention in our life, we know what it's like and you can't really explain it. I think he does a nice job of saying, listen, when I keep my ducks in a row and I ask God for guidance, my life is better. I have less anxiety. Uh, I'm no longer trying to control everything in my life. I know that God has my back, and I just do the right thing. I ask God for guidance. I ask God for wisdom, and things always seem to work out to my benefit. I like guys that think like that. Um, We talked about it on Father's Day. My, My dad... Uh, as a recovering alcoholic, and I told the story about him trying to get sober for years. And then he got down on his knees, and he prayed that God would take the uh, take the desire to drink and do drugs away from him. He didn't want to do it anymore. He was a sick person, and he needed guidance, and he needed help from a higher power. And when he asked for it, after years of trying to get sober, God took the desire to drink away so when he talks about this it hits home with me i recognize exactly what he's talking about um i think anybody out there who has a relationship with god who really uh lets go of the wheel and says god i'm gonna i'm gonna take the path that you lay out for me i'm gonna look for it i'm gonna pay attention to it i'm gonna do the right thing i'm gonna keep my side of the road clean Uh, those people leave happier and healthier lives stick around segment number two we're going to continue with robert f kennedy jr we'll be right back Rob 
Carter Show. One more day. I can't wait until tomorrow. My father, my son, and I going to Liverpool for the British Open. I don't think I've ever been more excited for a trip in my life. One quick note. If you went out and saw Sound of Freedom and it sparked your interest on child trafficking, child torture, you might want to check out my previous two podcasts. We talk about child trafficking, Satanism, MK Ultra, Project Monarch, and the establishment. Stories that will blow your mind if you're unaware. Because these stories implicate some of the most powerful people in our government. Make of it what you will. If you believe it, don't believe it. Because I got to tell you, I didn't believe it for the longest time, but I really dug into these conversations. Did an enormous amount of research for the shows. And it's hard to refute when you really go back and pay attention to the information Now that we have 25, 30, 35 years in the rearview mirror, a lot of these stories that we thought were crazy now seem to be true. And Jeffrey Epstein, that entire story opened up everybody's imagination. But he's just one. He's just one example of people in power in this country being compromised By pedophilia. It's crazy. I encourage you to check it out. TheRobShowPodcast.com, always with two Bs. TheRobShowPodcast.com and or you can go into your search engine and just type in The Rob Show and it'll pop up wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Let me get back into this Robert F. Kennedy Jr. story. And again, I am not endorsing Robert F. Kennedy Jr. By the way, I'm just going to call him Kennedy from now on. Phil says, Rob, just call him Kennedy. People know who you're talking about. But I've gotten into such a habit to say Robert F. Kennedy Jr. over and over again that I can't stop it. But it is easier just to say Kennedy. So that's what we're going to do from here forward if I can remember. What I like about this guy is not necessarily all of his positions on any particular topic. I love the fact that if you're going to be somebody in power in this country, You must go out and answer all of the questions that the kings have and that the peasants have. You got to answer all of the questions. And he's the only one making himself available in this manner. So pay attention to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Because even if you don't like his ideology, the information that he is giving us is unbelievable. He talks about MKUltra. He talks about the CIA. He talks about things that are going on in our government. I mean, his uncle and his father were both assassinated. Uh, So it takes a lot of courage to do what he's doing, wouldn't you think? Certainly would be for me. Very dangerous to go out and talk about the CIA and their role in the world because he basically says the CIA is what causes problems that our government officials then spend money to fix. Uh, They're the catalyst, the CIA. An evil organization, not everybody in the CIA, but the people running the show, the people that are creating war for us to go fight. Uh, He claims it has a lot to do with the CIA, so check that out whenever you get a chance. Go on Rumble or Google. Just search RFK, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and see what he has to say, because it'll blow your mind. Some of the stuff that he's talking about is so unbelievable 
uh, to finally hear a politician shoot straight with the American people. He's running his campaign by saying, I'm going to tell the American people the truth. This is a new way to run a political campaign. I'm going to tell the American people the truth. So if you're a curious person trying to figure out what's going on in this world, you must pay attention to Robert F. Kennedy Jr., as we're going to call him from now on, Kennedy. Here he is talking about his relationship with God. This hits so home with me. Anybody who listened to uh, my story on Father's Day knows that um, my father had to get on his knees and pray for addiction to go away. And he did, and he followed the steps, and 36 years later, I have a father who is sober, and I think it's fantastic. He has been a rock in my life, my best friend, uh, just a, a fantastic human being, and it all started when he surrendered to God. So here is Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Mr. Kennedy, telling the same, same story. Ready? Go. That I can do things. I'm much more effective as a human being. That, that gnawing, you know, uh, anxiety that... I lived with for so many years, and my God, that I, I, it's gone. And that um, I can kind of like put down the oars and hoist the sail, and you know, and the wind takes me, and I can I can see the evidence of it in my life. And you know, the big thing for you know, the temptation for me is that um, when all these good things start happening in my life, and the cash and prizes start flowing in. You know, how do I maintain that posture of surrender? How do I stay surrendered then when I'm, my inclination is to say to God, thanks, God, I got it from here. <laughs> yeah. And drive the car off the cliff again. And uh, so, you know, I had a spiritual awakening and my desire for drugs and alcohol was lifted miraculously. Uh, and it, to me, it was as much a miracle as if I had, if I'd been able to walk on water. Cause I had tried everything earnestly, sincerely, and honestly for a, a decade to try to stop. And I could not do it under my own power. And then all of a sudden it was lifted effortlessly. And, um, you know, so I saw that evidence, uh, early evidence of God in my life. I love that conversation. That's with Lex Friedman. I just think that was a great conversation that he was having. One that I can relate to. Um, terrific. Now let me move on because I, I don't want the whole show to be about Kennedy. Uh, we're going to bring him up on and off throughout the show. But I want to move over to a big story developing with Mike Pence. Now nobody is voting for Mike Pence, I don't think. I don't think he has much of a chance to be president. Um, unless the powers that be want him to be president. Uh, because I believe the elections are manipulated at best, rigged most likely. And I don't think uh, Mike Pence is in... Uh, any position to be president because he's just not a popular guy on the left or the right. But he is running. So Tucker Carlson interviewed him most recently, and he said that he was unconcerned with all of the problems going on in America. Now, he said it. I believe it was a misstep. I don't think he actually meant it. I think his mind was on a previous question that he asked, and then he said it at the wrong time. But nonetheless, I believe it will end any hope that he may have had of being competitive in the uh, GOP race. But here it is. If you haven't heard it yet, here is Tucker Carlson talking to Mike Pence about the war in Ukraine, about sending uh, money over there and ammunition and weapons and so forth. Uh, here is how Tucker Carlson framed it, and here is how Mike Pence answered the question. Clip number two, one. 
Go. The Biden administration has been slow in providing military support. Make no mistake about this. We promised them 33 Abrams tanks in January. I heard again two weeks ago in Ukraine they still don't have them. We've been telling them we'll train their F-16 pilots, but now they're saying maybe January we'll let somebody transfer some jets. I'm sorry, Mr. Vice President. Have you? I know you're running for president. You are distra- you. you are distressed notice. that the Ukrainians don't have enough American tanks. Every city in the United States has become much worse over the past three years. Yeah. Drive around. There's not one city that's gotten better in the United States. I- and it's visible. Our economy has degraded. The suicide rate has jumped. Public filth and disorder and crime have exponentially increased. And yet... Your concern is that the Ukrainians, a country most people can't find on a map, who've received tens of billions of U.S. tax dollars, don't have enough tanks. I think it's a fair question to ask, like, where's the concern for the United States in that? Well, it's not my concern. Tucker, I've heard that routine from you before, but that's not my concern. See, right before that, he said, your concern is the Ukrainians. And I think Mike Pence, his feeble mind, got stuck there. And he said, that's not my concern when Tucker Carlson continued the conversation about American interest. But this is Mike Pence. I told you before, my son and I went to see him live uh, right before the 2020 elections. And the thing that struck me, we were in a fundraiser in a room with maybe 150 people. Uh, His daughter comes out and introduces him. She's a lovely young lady. Introduces Mike Pence. He gives his typical canned campaign speech. As soon as his speech ended, the music came on very loud. He signed a few hats, and then he ran off the stage. And I thought to myself, so you're here with uh, people that want to ask you questions about what's going on with COVID, how the elections are going to play out. You're in a forum where people could you could take 15 or 20 minutes and answer some questions from your constituents, but he didn't. He bailed. And it always stuck with me. I'm like, how can a guy run for president, be in a room with 150 constituents, And not even take any questions. Before I move on, I want to talk about Tucker Carlson because Tucker Carlson is now the darling of the right. He is the one that's out there, and he, again, is giving a lot of information. He's given information about Bill Barr. We talked about him and Jeffrey Epstein on previous shows. And Tucker Carlson gets fired from Fox News, but nobody has asked him, where is all of the video from inside the Capitol on January 6th? Apparently, Kevin McCarthy gives it to Tucker Carlson. He runs one show where he shows the Viking uh, giving prayers inside of the Capitol. But that's it. Then it just goes away. He gets fired from Fox News. And now he's out on Twitter and he's doing interviews and so forth. But who is Tucker Carlson? Um, His father, Dick Carlson, we've talked about it on the show before, was a CIA guy from Voice of America. But he too, Tucker Carlson's father, has a long history that people need to recognize. Now, I'm again not saying that Tucker Carlson is a bad guy. I'm saying that if you have that much power and influence over the thought process of the American people, you too must stand before them and answer questions. Here's what it says. This is is uh, an article in the Los Angeles Times dated November 11, 1988. It's about Dick Carlson. This is what it says. It says, when Dick Carlson was a gung-ho investigative reporter in San Diego, Los Angeles, and San Francisco, no target was too big and no obstacle too tough. Whether it was the anti-Vietnam War movement, the emergence of the Black Panthers, or Soviet trawler, trawler spies off the Golden Gate, Carlson was one of the first with the most. 
His story linking San Francisco Mayor Joe Alioto to the mob ended Alioto's political dreams and spawned a libel suit that helped kill Look Magazine. After arriving in San Diego as a reporter, anchorman for KFMB, Carlson made a splash by unmasking the winner of a women's tennis tourney in Lahala. The unknown Renee Richards, as a transsexual, Carlson prided himself on being a muckraker. So Tucker Carlson's father, Dick Carlson, it doesn't say it in this article, but he, and I'm going to continue with this article in just a minute, but Tucker Carlson's father outed two transsexuals. One was, uh, was a criminal, and the other was a tennis player who was posing as a woman but was a transsexual man. And again, uh, I just think it's interesting with all the transsexual stuff that's going on right now that Dick Carlson was the, was the journalist who outed these two transsexuals back in the late 60s, early 70s. And then he moves from San Diego over to the East Coast near where the CIA is located, becomes a police officer, and then goes into the uh, Reagan administration, which, you know, the Bush family was heavily uh, infiltrated into the Reagan administration, and goes to work for the CIA and the Voice of America and propagandized CIA narratives around the world. Let me continue on with this article. It says, but now Carlson, a failed mayoral candidate in 1984, he ran for mayor in San Diego, Uh, But now Carlson, a failed mayoral candidate in 1984, is in Washington as director of Voice of America, and the journalistic tables have been turned. Of late, Carlson has been jousting with freelance writer and ex-VOA staffer Carolyn Weaver, who has written a scathing account in this month's Columbia Journalism Review alleged political bias in the VOA under Carlson and the Reagan administration in general. The Voice of America, which is part of the United States Information Agency, CIA, tried unsuccessfully in court to require Weaver to submit her article for review by revoking a pre-employment agreement. Among other things, Weaver asserts that the Voice of America, which broadcasts to 130 million people around the world, has been one-sided and pro-administration in its reporting on Dan Quayle, Iran-Contra, apartheid in Central America, Under its congressional mandate, VOA is supposed to be accurate, objective, and comprehensive and present opposing views. Weaver alleges that Voice of America was cozy with Oliver North and may have played Rod Stewart records and Russian folk tunes to send send secret messages. She implies that Carlson used... Uh, She implies that Carlson eased out or allowed to be eased out a correspondence seen as too sympathetic to the imprisoned... South African activist Nelson Mandela. Carlson provided Weaver with written documents but refused to be interviewed. He wrote to CGR that he did not want to participate in the charade by facilitating Miss Weaver's attempt to recycle old news, rumor, and gossip. Now that the article is out, Carlson has branded it a uh, rehashed driblets. Through the 47-year-old Carlson retains a home in Lahala. Friends expect him to remain in Washington under the new administration either at the VOA or or elsewhere in the executive branch. So, again, Tucker Carlson's father is in the intel agencies. It goes back to the Reagan and Bush era. And I think he should be answering those questions. Are you a CIA guy? Were you ever in the CIA? And let's see how he answers it. He may say no, he may say yes. But again, if you have that much power, you have to answer questions. Stick around. Segment number three. We'll be right back. The Rob Carter Show. 
SR1 Sundays, The Rob Carter Show. I want to finish up on this conversation about Dick Carlson and Tucker Carlson. Now, Dick Carlson is out in California. He's a journalist. And he outs two transgenders. One was a criminal. But the one that made him famous was the outing of Renee Richards. Now, Renee Richards was originally Richard Raskin. Richard Raskin went to Yale, had transition surgery, ends up Renee Richards and playing professional tennis. Tucker Carlson's father, Dick Carlson, a journalist in California, tells the story, makes a name for himself, and then runs for mayor in San Diego, loses, moves cross-country right on top of Quantico, Virginia, and then works for the Voice of America, an Intel operation in the Reagan and Bush administration. Now, Renee Richards, who was originally Richard Raskin, went to Yale, and his mother was a psychiatrist at Columbia. Now, if you go back and listen to my two podcasts that I just promoted on the last segment, you'll understand why those stories are interesting. Child sex trafficking, pedophilia, Satanism, and the establishment. You got to check it out. I'm not saying there's anything to tie these things together because you can never really know, but it is a very interesting set of circumstances I think, and if Dick Carlson, Tucker Carlson's father, was in the CIA, then I think we should ask Tucker Carlson about it. If you have that much influence over the thought process of the American people, you too have to answer questions, in my humble opinion. Now, let me move on away from that story because I want to get into another conversation that Tucker Carlson had with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Because Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump seem to be having a feud. Donald Trump says that Ron DeSantis is not loyal, that he is the one that brought DeSantis from obscurity to the governor's mansion in Florida. And now they're fighting. They used to love each other through COVID, and now they're fighting because Ron DeSantis is running for president. Now, Ron DeSantis, again, is from Harvard and Yale. Uh, You might think that he's a club member. I do. Uh, But he had this conversation with Tucker Carlson, but it doesn't ring true to me. Check this out. Clip number two, seven. Ready? Go. When you have FBI colluding with big tech to censor dissent, I would fire those people. Had I been president 2020, Anthony Fauci would have been fired. And you've got to be willing to do it. Now, of course, I agree with that because that's one of my complaints about Donald Trump. When the crowd was chanting, fire Fauci, I was there, Valdosta, Georgia, December 5th, 2020. I was at that rally, and the the fans of Donald Trump were chanting, fire Fauci, loudly. It was a a whole situation going on saying, fire Fauci. He said, I'll take that into consideration. Not only did he not fire 
Fauci, he gave him a medal of commendation on January 19th, one day before he left office. So keep all of that in mind. And then you have Ron DeSantis saying, using it against Donald Trump, saying, had I been in that position, I would have fired Anthony Fauci. But what Ron DeSantis fails to tell the audience and what Tucker Carlson didn't call him on was his praise for Deborah Burks, Mike Pence, and Anthony Fauci when we were in the heat of the situation. And I thought to myself the entire time, who are these people to give us protocols and lockdowns? I wouldn't care if the Black Plague was coming. It is for the American people to determine whether they want to sit in their house or not. It is for the American people to determine whether they want to open their businesses or not. If one person or one branch of the government, one bureaucratic branch of the government says you got to shut down your business, we're in trouble because all it takes is a tyrant to tell us anything they want to tell us, propagandize it on the television sets, and I guess we just got to give up our lives. It never made any sense that Donald Trump shut down society at all. Regardless of the way you see it or not, we have a constitution, and the constitution doesn't go away because we have a supposed pandemic. They do not have the right to shut down the society, and the damage that that caused, 3.3, according to uh, Kennedy, 3.3 million small businesses were destroyed. The largest wealth transfer in the history of the world happened around COVID, And nobody seems to even notice. And I was having this argument with my son and my father last night. I said, if this would have happened in this manner with Barack Obama or Bill Clinton as president, the people on the right would have went absolutely insane. But because it was Donald Trump, we accepted it. He's the enemy of the left. Therefore, we accept it. He would never do anything wrong. He was just rolled. He he had to take medical advice from Dr. Darth Fauci and the scarf lady and the wooden boy, Mike Pence. Doesn't make any sense. You know it and I know it. But again, he's the enemy of the left. Therefore, we trust everything that he does. Not me, but it appears most people accept everything that Donald Trump says. It's very strange to me. Here is Ron DeSantis praising Fauci, Burks, and uh, Mike Pence. Check this out. And from from Dr. Burks to Dr. Fauci to the vice president, who's worked very hard, um, the Surgeon General, uh, they they are really doing a good job. Great. I mean, you call, you know, we've talked to Dr. Fauci a number of times, talked to, you know, the surgeon, U.S. Surgeon General a number of times, VP. You know, they've been really, really good and really, really helpful. I would defer to people like Dr. Fauci. I think Dr. Fauci has said nationwide, uh, you're looking at six to eight weeks of where we're really going to be having to dig in here. There it is. So here's a guy that says he would have fired Fauci, but at the time when it mattered, when people really needed to use discernment and really needed to think, and protect the rights of the American people, both Trump and DeSantis were out there saying, hey, we got to listen to Fauci. Fauci and Burks are the only scientists in the world. They're the only doctors in the world. They're the only people in the medical community that we can listen to. Despite the fact that there were thousands and thousands and thousands of doctors that were saying lockdowns and masks, mRNA technologies, and everything that was going on, the restriction of treatments, was a horrible thing, very dangerous. That information apparently never made it to people in power. And I find that to be unbelievable. It just cannot be true. How can a guy in his office in Florida just doing basic research know more than the president of the United States and the governor of Florida? That can't be. It simply cannot be. And the Constitution does not go away in the case of a pandemic. It's just not the way it is. In fact, Robert Kennedy talks about it over and over again. He said, listen, we've had pandemics. 
in this country during elections, and we could not shut down the country. It's happened before. But in this particular instance, we shut down the country. We made people sit in their houses waiting for the magic potion to come out, losing their businesses, fighting with their family, walking around with masks, two masks, bubble wrap, flippers, and football helmets to stay safe, and nobody even cares after the fact. That was my argument with Kevin Slayton. He said, why don't you obsess on COVID just a little bit more? I'm like, well, I should. you should obsess on it because if they do this again, uh, they can take all of the power. If the precedent is we can shut down society if they have a pandemic or a pandemic, uh, then the people that are in power are going to use it again, won't they? Uh, do you trust these people? I certainly don't. So who knows what's down the line for us, but certainly uh, something we should be aware of now. Do you remember when I did the show about Kevin McCarthy when he was running for the Speaker of the House and I said, what's going on with Marjorie Taylor Greene? Because she was the hero on the right. Uh, She was the one that was um, perpetuating all of the Q stories before she got into into office. Then she had a conversation with Donald Trump and she said, Q, I don't believe in it anymore. Um, Now I understand what's going on, blah, blah, blah. This was Marjorie Taylor Greene as I remember it. But when I saw the way she acted when Kevin McCarthy was running for the Speaker of the House and she cuddled up to him and she was in love with him and she's eyeballing him like he's the superhero, I thought, what is going on there? Because I don't trust Kevin McCarthy. I think people that pay attention to politics and listen to what these people say, uh, listen to them interview, just listen to how sharp they are, know that Kevin McCarthy is not a really intellectual person. He's a power broker. That's what he is. That's what Kevin McCarthy does in D.C. And do we need another power broker as Speaker of the House? My answer would be no. But Marjorie Taylor Greene just happened to love Kevin McCarthy. And now this show, this is called Cowboy Logic. It's on, um, uh, I think it's called, I forget what it's called, but it's it's, it's, uh, a conservative show. Uh, This guy named Jeremy Brown goes on there and talks about Marjorie Taylor Greene and the GOP being silently complicit in what's going on with the Democrats. They're in the game together. And just listen to this conversation. The the audio is not great. This is the way it was sent to me. I looked for another version of it. I couldn't find it. But pay very close attention to this conversation because this Jeremy Brown goes after Marjorie Taylor Greene, and so does the host of the show, And the key thing to listen to here, the key thing that you need to pay attention to is the way he talks about the GOP being complicit in this game. Check this out. Clip number two, two. Ready? Go. They don't want me in front of Congress either. And we were in talks with numerous members of Congress to get me to testify as a whistleblower. And all of that has just magically disintegrated. You're right. You are right. You we, are right. We said that to we, MTG we ask, last week. We asked MTG at the Pickens, uh, South Carolina Trump, Trump rally. rally. We, I point blank ask her, call the J6 defendants and pr- political prisoners in front of Congress, put them under oath, and allow them to testify. Outside of their liberty and freedom and the safety of their families, nothing matters more to the J6ers than to be able to do just that. And I'm telling you, man, I don't even know if she'll talk to us again. Yeah, we saw the change almost instantly. The Democrats called multiple oath keepers in front of their state committee. Yeah, but we, we know what we know the story behind that fraud. We yeah. know, yeah, that that's fraudulent, man. Yeah. 
It's unbelievable. So if people want to blame the Democrats for everything. You need to look at your Republican representatives as well, because they're just as complicit through this lie of omission by giving you nice, juicy things like Hunter Biden and FBI agent whistleblowers. But what about the results of the things those agents were asked to do that they're admitting to? What about the people that those agents arrested in these fake raids? And I'm not saying those whistleblowers arrested them. But what I'm saying is the actions these FBI agents are describing had consequences, and I am the consequence of that. And I have something to say as well, which is even worse than what they have to say, and Congress doesn't want that because they don't want to defund the FBI. They don't want to pull the funding for the brand-new, beautiful new building. They don't want to actually get rid of uh, IRS agents with guns, right? It's all a political theater in an election year because it's always an election year. That's right. I think that's beautiful because he describes it the way it really is. It's all theater. You've got Christopher Wray and John Kerry before Congress. Uh, and they are questioned very vigorously. Uh, you, people make political points all the time, but nothing ever changes, and they really don't want any change. The FBI is a protection device for the establishment. So no matter how much they go at it, no matter how much information we have as a society, knowing that people are corrupt within our government, and we would think the FBI would take these people down, they never do. And they never do because they're in bed together. And it's not just the Democrats. It's the Republicans as well. The FBI and the CIA and the intelligence agencies are a cocoon around D.C. They protect them. They can do no wrong. I have one more clip that I want to lead into the second hour. This is Brian Williams from MSNBC. Um, He's talking about Carl Sagan. And I've talked about Carl Sagan before on this show. He taught at Harvard. He was a he's an intellectual guy. And he talks about it. This is in 1995. I want you to listen to this clip about the way he describes the future in America if it continues on this path. You tell me if it didn't happen exactly the way he described it. Clip number 26, Carl Sagan and Brian Williams. Ready? Go. Carl Sagan could not have predicted 2021, but he did see it coming. He wrote the following back in 1995, and we quote, I have a foreboding of an America in my children's or grandchildren's time when the United States is a service and information economy, when nearly all the manufacturing industries have slipped away to other countries, when awesome technological powers are in the hands of a very few, and no one representing the public interest can even grasp the issues, when the people have lost the ability to set their own agendas or knowledgeably question those in authority, when clutching our crystals and nervously consulting our horoscopes, our critical faculties in decline, unable to distinguish between what feels good and what's true, we slide almost without noticing back into superstition and darkness. The dumbing down of America is most evident in the slow decay of substantive content in the enormously influential media. The 30-second soundbites now down to 10 seconds or less, lowest common denominator programming, credulous presentations on pseudoscience and superstition, but especially a kind of celebration of ignorance. Roll that around for a while. Those were among his final published words. He died 10 months later. Here we are 25 years later realizing just what he was trying to tell us back then. Was Carl Sagan right? I think he was. Stick around. We're going to talk about it in the second hour. We'll be right back. The Rock Carter Show. 
Rob Carter Show. All right, everybody, welcome back. Hour number two coming your way. Once again, my name is Rob Carter, and you are listening to SR1 on News Talk STL. We ended hour number one with a clip of Brian Williams from MSNBC talking about Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan, a genius, of course. We've talked about him on this show previously, but he made some predictions all the way back in 1995. Let me just walk through just a few of these predictions. He said that we would turn into a service and information society. Did that happen? Of course it did. He said that manufacturing would leave our shores and go overseas. Did that happen? Yes, it did. He said that technological advances would end up in the hands of a tiny few. One of the things we have to worry about is exactly that. We have AI and digital currency coming together within the next few years. We have no idea how that's going to evolve, but something to be very concerned about. He said we would lose our ability to question authority, the dumbing down of America. And isn't that a problem that we have right now? I talk about it all the time. If you are in the radio business, the television business, even print, if you get a big interview You want to be respectful of the person that you're interviewing. We lose our journalistic credibility when we are so enamored with a guest coming on our show that we won't ask them tough questions when they are in the political sphere. And it's sad. It really is. It's sad that we have to feel that way. These politicians, these people in power, these influencers, when they go on shows, they should be expecting tough questions. That's what it should all be about. That's how we find out who these people are, what they're all about. But instead, what happens is, and I can see it in this industry, when you get those big interviews, you want to protect the person you're interviewing because you want them to come back. You don't want to offend them or ask them anything that might be uncomfortable because you want other guests to come on and you think that other guests won't come on because you're going to be tough on them. And that's really what's going on in the journalistic world, and it's it's disturbing because it has to stop. We must ask difficult questions of people in power. He goes on to say that we will uh, we will be discussing pseudoscience in the future, and we will have conversations about pseudoscience. That leads me into this clip because I cannot stand the sight of John Kerry, uh, who married into the Heinz family. Um, he is very big into climate change and flies around on his private jets. Uh, He's a loathsome character. Um, He's a grifter, if you will. And I love this congressman that goes after him because I can't wait to play. There's a couple clips here that I want to play for you. Uh, The first one is this guy, this congressman is is named Congressman Perry. And he's questioning John Kerry about climate change. And you got to hear this conversation. I'm going to play two clips here. Let me start with this one. If you are someone who has followed John Kerry, who ran for president, he's from Yale He was in Skull and Bones. This is a guy that is in the inner circle of the establishment. And he likes to make money from his position of power. He's a grifter. He's a con artist. He's a schmuck. And here he is being grilled. And listen to what he has to say. Clip number four, three. Ready? Go. 
Zero by 2050, do you support the administration's goal of cutting U.S. emissions in half by 2030? Uh, yes, I do. Secretary, in 1997, the Senate voted 95 to zero, including you and then Senator Biden, in favor of the Bird hagel resolution, which resolved that the U.S. shouldn't cut emissions until China, Mexico, India, Brazil, South Korea, and other so-called developing nations cut emissions as well. Do you remember that? I do very, very well because I was managing it and on since, the floor of the Senate. Since uh, 97, have emissions from China, India, and Mexico all increased? Yes, as yeah. they have yeah. from the United States. And, and global and emissions have continued to increase as well, right? Yes. Have any of those countries submitted a credible plan to get to net zero emissions by 2050? Which countries? Let's just go with uh, China, India, or Mexico. No. Isn't that interesting? I've said it many times on this show. These people that push climate change, and they push it really hard, you would have to have a global structure to stop what they say is a problem. Now, I don't see it as a problem. I think it's all ridiculous. It's all a bunch of nonsense. It's a bunch of thieves trying to make money off of the climate because it changes all the time. So if they say the world is going to melt and we have to raise money to stop it from melting, well, that's a nice little system, isn't it? Especially when they, uh, they feed the colleges money to study it, and if they pull the grant money back, then it ends. So they never pull the grant money back. The colleges give them the answers that they want. They cite the colleges and all of the studies to perpetuate a lie. That's what climate change is all about. And I think most people that think through it recognize it. I don't think anybody really believes the planet is melting. It's been here for way too long, and carbon emissions aren't going to destroy the planet, period. But they grift. They're able to make money off of it. And I love this particular clip right here because here Congressman Perry calls out John Kerry as a grifter. It's beautiful, but check this out. Ready, go. If you look at the temperature graph, this is from NOAA. The temperature has gone down. Show the next slide. This is from NASA satellite data. Temperature has gone down. You want to have the, uh, have, uh, the American taxpayers, my constituents that are having a hard time afford their groceries, pay for a car, buy a new home, spend $1.6 quadrillion dollars to fix a problem that, A, doesn't exist, and as a matter of fact, you might be exacerbating because it's unknown. It is unknown at this time the low level that of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere that might actually destroy life because plant life <clears throat> all depends. As you know, Secretary, plant life all depends on CO2, and when we kill it, then we're done too. I yield the balance. Congressman, yeah. let me just say that uh, I don't agree with what you're saying out there for any number of reasons. I don't have time to go into all of them now, but I'll just tell you point blank that the difference between the periods you're looking at in terms of heat, et cetera, and human, human input is night and day, number one. Number two, why do you think 195 countries in the world, they're prime ministers, they're presidents. Because they're grifting like you are, sir. <laughs> this, uh, that's a pretty shocking statement, that you believe that all the scientists in the world are grifters, honestly. Not all scientists agree with you, Mr. Secretary. 98% of all the scientists in the world... Science isn't yeah. about agreement. It's not about consensus. You know that. Well, Chair now recognizes. Thank you, Chairman. God, I love that. That is so absolutely fantastic. All of these people should be called out for what they are. They're thieves. They mislead the American people. They create issues that aren't even there, like COVID and climate change, and they raise money off it. They use the colleges to perpetuate it and the media to protect them when they are called out as liars. 
It's a nice little system, isn't it? Wouldn't you like to be in that position where you could, where you could do whatever you wanted, wanted to do, you're protected by the FBI, and then the media gives you cover? John Kerry from Yale. Too much. I want to move over here to this particular clip as well. As long as we're in Congress and we're getting testimony before Congress, I got to play this too because this is Matt Gates, and I like Matt Gates. I don't know enough about him, uh, but I like what he has to say most of the time. And he is talking to Christopher Ray again from Yale, another club member who ran the FBI, who was nominated by our hero Donald Trump. And I'm going to play a clip from Fox News when it broke that Donald Trump was nominating. Uh, Christopher Ray, I want to hear. Uh, I want you to hear a very interesting conversation that was had on Fox News when that news broke. But I want to start here. This is Matt Gates calling out Christopher Ray for not doing anything to investigate what was going on with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden shaking down Ukraine, China, and everybody else around the world because that's the game. And the reason they get away with it is because both sides do it. Don't kid yourself, my Republican friends. Both sides do it when they get caught the fbi is there to protect them because they're all in this game together clip number four five ready go i'm sitting here with my father i will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction i am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Sounds like a shakedown, doesn't it, Director? I'm not going to get into commenting on that. You, you, you seem deeply uncurious about it, don't you? Almost suspiciously uncurious. Are you protecting the Bidens? Absolutely not. The FBI well, does not the, has well, no hold interest on. in protecting You won't protecting answer the question about whether or not that's a shakedown, and everybody knows why you won't answer it. Because to, ev- to the millions of people who will see this, they know it is. And your inability to acknowledge that is deeply revealing about you. It's deeply revealing because he's a club member. That's the one thing that these, never, these people in Congress never talk about, is how all of these people that are protecting the establishment are connected. Why do you think that is? Do you think that nobody in Congress recognizes that the secret societies and these club member schools are tied together through the media, through the politicians, through the entertainment business, through the military contractors, through the pharmaceutical companies? They are all connected to the banks. They're connected. If you could get out an org chart and put a 1,000 people together and show how they are connected through the schools and through positions of power, you'd realize how easy this is to diagnose. But one thing you should be recognizing is that all of the theater in Congress never amounts to a hill of beans. It's been going on for so long. It's so overwhelmingly ridiculous to watch this theater in Congress all the time. They go, well, people need to know. People need to know. The truth is always a good thing. Well, yeah, the truth is a good thing. But if the truth is that positions of power, people in positions of power in this country are lying to the American people, ripping them off, stealing creating an environment where the American people fight over lies all the time, there must at some point be accountability. Don't you think? I mean, when you guys hear this over and over again, isn't, don't you start to think, is anybody ever going to be held accountable? And if they're not held accountable by our government officials, then it is our duty to put pressure on the state, local, and federal governments to get things done. We just can't allow it anymore. 
You know, there's millions of us and there's a handful of them, and we allow this game. It's like we're watching professional wrestling on a day-to-day basis. It goes on and on and on. We know what the outcomes are going to be. Just like the cocaine story last week, I said that wouldn't amount to anything. All of these stories, the spy balloons, you name it. They just create narrative after narrative after narrative, and we chase it around like a cat with a red laser. But nothing ever gets accomplished. And they always give you just enough hope, just enough truth to where you go, okay, now it's coming. Now it's coming. And I want you to think to yourselves out there, how many times have you said the hammer's about to drop? The hammer, it's coming. It's right, it's right around the corner. Donald Trump's coming in. It's gonna, now the hammer's going to be dropped. And here we are, six and a half, almost seven years after Donald Trump was elected, and we're still in the same hamster wheel. Aren't we starting to get hip to it? Aren't we starting to recognize how this is all going down? I want to play one more clip for you on this particular topic. This is Fox News, uh, Maria Bartiromo, getting the information that Donald Trump has nominated Christopher Ray. Now listen to how this conversation goes down because it's very enlightening. Clip number three, three, ready, go. We want to get right to breaking news right now. President Trump is just tweeting about the FBI director. Here's what he says. I will be nominating Christopher A. Ray, a man of impeccable credentials, to be the next director of the FBI. Details to follow. We will have more on this as it develops. But first, let me bring in Dagan. Dagan, Christopher Ray, who is he? His background, what can you tell us? We know that President Trump did interview Christopher Ray for the job of FBI director. I mean, that was already out there. He works currently in private practice at King and Spall. A law firm in litigation. He worked at the Justice Department um, as Assistant Attorney General from 2003 to 2005. So under President Bush, and, and also under Jim Comey, um, under at the at the Justice Department. Um, but he has since been at King and Spalding Law Firm since he left Justice in 2005. So he has a relationship with Comey from the work at the Justice Department. So the, the president just tweeting this that he's going to nominate Christopher Ray as the next. FBI director, this sort of in some ways comes out of left field. No, we were not talking about this name. No, we were not talking about this name at all. In fact, the, the voters that I've been talking with, or the Americans that I've been talking with, really wanted somebody who was a law and order background, somebody who was, you know, had had some background in that. Rather than assistant attorney, he was an assistant attorney general. Right. Yeah, right. I think the issue here is that a lot of the people that people wanted were, don't want to work for this president to the mm-hmm. fact of the way he tweets about them and, and things like that. So there's there there has been. Unfortunately, a crisis of confidence when it comes to a lot of the nominees. This is a lawyer, not a policeman. A lawyer, Christopher Ray, not a policeman. And if you remember, Donald Trump said, well, Chris Christie is the one who got me involved with Christopher Ray." And I love that because when you hear people talk about it now, they go, well, you know, he trusted Chris Christie at the time. He didn't know who to believe. It says right there in that clip that he interviewed these people. If Donald Trump is interviewing these people and he chooses Christopher Ray over others, you'd have to ask yourself why. He didn't he didn't uh, put a law and order guy in there. He put an attorney in there that was in the Bush administration and attached to James Comey, who Donald Trump said from the very beginning was a bad guy. So now you're putting his protege into a position of power at the FBI, and he still sits there today. These FBI directors are protecting the establishment, and Donald Trump said he knew the system better than anyone is this proof that he either didn't know the system or maybe he does know the system and we're getting what we get stick around segment number five we'll be right back the rob carter show the 
one Sundays. The Rob Carter Show. I am going to get into Donald Trump in this particular segment. I'm going to get after him again. I can't help myself. I see a fraud. I see an actor. A very good one, apparently. But I'm going to keep bringing you information and let you make a decision. I love my Trump supporters. I do. I get it. I'm just saying you have to pay a little bit closer attention. Because there's overwhelming information that he is not who he told us he was. And I'm going to give you a couple more examples of that here in just a minute. Let me start this segment with a tweet from Kennedy. He says, President Biden has appointed disgraced neocon Elliot Abrams to his diplomacy commission. Infamous for his support of El Salvador's death squads in the 1980s, Abrams was convicted in 1989 of lying to Congress about his criminal role in the Iran-Contra affair. So Elliot Abrams, a neocon, is being hired by liberal Joe Biden, which leads me back to the premise, it's a club. This isn't about ideology. This is about club membership. Elliot Abrams went to Harvard and the London School of Economics. Uh, he is on the he was in the Council of Foreign Relations. Anytime you see somebody in the Council of Foreign Relations or the World Economic Forum or the Club of Rome or Davos or uh, the Bilderberg Group or the Trilateral Commission, these are global organizations of power. This is the club. When you hear they, they want to enslave the population, they want digital currency, this is who they are. These are representatives of the people behind the curtain, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the Mellons, the people that the old historic money in this country and around the world for that matter. You have to pay attention to the club members so that you can see what's going on around you in your world and make sense of it all. Elliot Abrams is going to work for Joe Biden. He was at one time. He was a foreign policy advisor to G.W. Bush, Ronald Reagan, and our good friend, Donald Trump. These are club member associations, and I love that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is calling these people out. I wish he would tie these club members together. If he ever does that, I'm going to be very, very, very excited because at some point, somebody in power has to lay out these connections because they're overwhelming, they're obvious, and you can tie these people together. It's not even very hard anymore. I was talking to my wife earlier when I was putting this together. I said, you know, honey, this is so easy for me now because now I understand the game and I can put these puzzle pieces together quite easily because as soon as I hear something that's ridiculous, I just look them up and they're all connected together. They're all within these groups, either Skull and Bones or some of these secret societies within the colleges or they're in these offshoots like the Council of Foreign Relations and, like I said, the World Economic Forum, the Bilderberg Group, Trilateral Commission, Club of Rome, you name it. These people are in a club, and they're Democrats, they're Republicans, they're media executives, they're military contractors, they're pharmaceutical representatives, 
pharmaceutical executives, I guess I should say, they are tied together. Let me remind you what Newt Gingrich had to say about these secret societies. Check this out just one more time to remind you. The, the national establishment, the people who went to Harvard and Yale and Princeton, uh, the folks who belong to Skull and Bones, all of those people are united in a determination to, to retain power over the American people. He didn't say the Democrats. He didn't say the Republicans. He said the power structure within the secret societies are trying to hold power over the American people. It's a club. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. That is the, that's the ruse. That's what gets you in your mind to say the left is the enemy, or if by chance you're a liberal, the right is the enemy. It is that fight that keeps you and I disconnected while they do whatever the hell they want. There's cocaine in the White House. Just on the, I was making this uh, point the other day. When we talk about the cocaine in the White House story, and everybody thought it was Hunter Biden or Joe Biden's cocaine that was left in the White House, and we knew there was never going to be a resolution to that story. They couldn't just they just couldn't figure out who it was going to be. Did the right get crazy when Mitch McConnell's wife Elaine Chow, her now Elaine Chow is a Harvard woman, um, God bless her, married to the turtle, um, Mitch McConnell, one of the most disgusting human beings the world has ever known, Mitch McConnell. Now Mitch McConnell. Uh, married to Elaine Chow, her father's business, who's tied to the CCP over in China, one of their, their, it's a shipping company, one of their ships was pulled over with 90 pounds of cocaine. That's why Mitch McConnell got the nickname Cocaine Mitch. But does the right in the media, do they go crazy over those kind of stories or it's uh, just 90 pounds of cocaine? I mean, it's no big deal. 90 pounds of cocaine on a ship owned by the Chow family And she's married to, right now, the most powerful Republican in our government. And it just goes right past everybody. Nobody seems to care. That's almost funny at this point because it's so absurd. But this is the way our government works. Now, let me get back to Donald Trump because there's a couple more things that have been brought to my attention. You know, when I go out there and I say Donald Trump isn't who he says he is, I'll have strong pushback from 80% of the people that communicate with me. They're very upset with me. Um, I think... Uh, a good portion of them just stop listening to the show because they only want to hear how wonderful Donald Trump is, which I think is absurd. But nonetheless, if you just pay attention to the 20% that are listening to me, if you pay attention to what they're saying, they are sending me information constantly to prove the point. They said, you know what, I'm going to see if Rob's right, and they go out and they do their own study, and they send me information all the time that they didn't know that is contrary to what Donald Trump told us he was all about. Here's another example. Remember the vaccine passports? It was called the biometric entry system. So you needed a biometric pass to go cross border. Here's the way Donald uh, Trump describes it. Let me know if you think this is the way we want to go in the future. If we want a biometric entry system into the United States, because it starts with what we would consider to be immigrants, but it ends up being everybody. We all know how this game is going to be played. Check this out. We will finally complete the biometric entry exit visa tracking system, which we need desperately. For years, Congress has required biometric entry exit visa tracking systems, but it has never been completed. The politicians are all talk, no action, never happens, never happens. Hillary Clinton 
all talk. Unfortunately, when there is action, it's always the wrong decision. Do you ever notice? In my administration, we will ensure that this system is in place. And I will tell you, it will be on land, it will be on sea, it will be in air. We will have a proper tracking system. Just what we need, another governmental tracking system. Here is the way they reported that same story in Germany. Du, meine Arbeit für richtig hältst, ob du glaubst, dass ich fleißig gewesen bin, dass ich gearbeitet habe, dass ich mich in diesen Jahren für dich eingesetzt habe, dass ich anständig meine Zeit verwendet habe im Dienste meines Volkes. Gib du jetzt deine Stimme ab, wenn ja... Now, remember when we uh, destroyed Iraq on a lie? Remember when we sold the American people, the press and the politicians sold you that the Iraqis were responsible for 9-11 and that they had weapons of mass destruction and they were going to be using them against American interest any day. It was coming that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction and they insinuated that it was nuclear weapons, biological weapons of the sort, and that we were going to go in there, we were going to destroy their country, we were going to bomb them into submission, we were going to find those weapons of mass destruction and put an end to the reign of Saddam Hussein. Then we found out later that they didn't have any weapons of mass destruction. It was all a bunch of intel nonsense and nothing ever happened to the people that went in and started a war on either misinformation or a lie. Now, I would ask you, what if Iraq said, America is about to bomb us? On a lie, it's not even true. America is about to bomb us, and they had a huge military, and they started bombing our major cities. Would that just be okay? Would America just turn their head and go, you know what? They made a mistake. It's no big deal. Of course not. It is absolutely, it's what I've said. What the Nazi, what happened in Nazi Germany is very similar to what's going on in the United States. It just is. We do whatever we want around the world, and our citizens turn their head to it like it's no big deal. The idea that we would start a war on misinformation and bomb a sovereign nation is unbelievable, and then the president who was behind it, G.W. Dummy Bush, makes jokes about it all the time. He made jokes about it at the correspondence dinner. He recently made a comment where he uh, mistook um, Russia and Vladimir Putin uh, as the tyrant for invading Iraq when he was really talking about himself. I mean, it's just the most incredible. It's, it, 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 it always blows my mind that the American people just go past it and don't care. <laughs> it's incredible. Here is Donald Trump talking about this, though. This, this is the story I wanted to get to. So Donald Trump, if you remember, he said, once we were in Iraq, we should have taken the oil. So we go into Iraq illegally, bomb them into submission, kill hundreds of thousands, if not millions of their people, displace Iraqis all over the globe and start mass immigration out of the area, all based on a lie by our own government and our intel agencies. And Donald Trump has the balls to say out loud that after we did all of that destruction to the Iraqi people in the uh, the country of Iraq, that we should take their oil. Check this out. You brought up Iraq and something you said that could affect American troops in recent days. You said we should have kept the oil, but OK, maybe we'll have another chance. What did you mean by that? Well, we should have kept the oil when we got out. And, you know, it's very interesting. Had we taken the oil, you wouldn't have ISIS. 
because they fuel themselves with the oil. That's where they got the money. So you believe we can go in and take the oil? We should have taken the oil. You wouldn't have ISIS if we took the oil. And here's how that was reported in Germany. Du, meine Arbeit für Richtigkeit, ob du glaubst, dass ich fleißig gewesen bin, dass ich gearbeitet habe, dass ich mich in diesen Jahren für dich eingesetzt habe, dass ich anständig meine Zeit verwendet habe im Dienste meines Volkes. Gib du jetzt deine Stimme ab. Wenn ja, dann tritt für mich ein, so wie ich für dich eingetreten bin. I want to keep reminding you of all of the questions that Donald Trump needs to answer. Number one, he said he was a champion of free speech and he used WikiLeaks to get elected. He would quote WikiLeaks when he was on the campaign trail in 2016. And then he gives Fauci a medal of commendation, but doesn't pardon Julian Assange, who was exposing the establishment for creating wars and mishaps all over the globe, showing the corruption within our own country. That's what Julian Assange did, and Donald Trump left him to rot in solitary confinement when he could have pardoned him easily. He, he should be talking about it today. Then on January 6th, he said, come on, come on to D.C. It's going to be wild. He gave a speech. He told people that he was going to march with them to the Capitol. Then he came up with some reason why he couldn't do it. But he said that he was going to march with the people to the Capitol then when they got to the Capitol, anybody that paid attention to it knew that the Capitol was being attacked before he ended his speech. So the people that were at the Capitol tearing down the doors and the ones that were on the other side of the building being waved in by the Capitol Police, that whole charade, uh, an insurrection with no guns. I mean, again, you talk about the dumbing down of America. Think of how insane you have to be to think that the uh, that there was an insurrection in the United States at the Capitol on January 6th, and nobody thought to bring a gun. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's too dumb to even have the discussion, but I'm telling you that, that a large portion of the country thinks there was a mass insurrection on January 6th that was an unarmed, an unarmed event. It's, it's just incredible. But here's the way Donald Trump described it on January 6th. All of the people that were involved in the Capitol, whatever that was, this is how Donald Trump addressed them on the very same day. Clip number five, two. Ready, go. To those who engaged in the acts of violence and destruction, you do not represent our country. And to those who broke the law, you will pay. We have just been through an intense election and emotions are high, but now tempers must be cooled and calm restored. We must get on with the business of America. We must get on with the business of America. Because that's what Donald Trump's all about. That's why people loved him so much. He's a businessman. He's going there to cut taxes, to cut corporate taxes. And then just by happenstance, COVID comes along and he shuts down all of the small businesses, prints $8 trillion, $6.2 trillion for the CARES Act. We all sit around on vacation as our small businesses close and the corporations get bigger and more powerful. As Donald Trump said, don't forget what he said about Klaus Schwab. 2-4, go. Klaus has done a fantastic job. That is our hero, Donald Trump, talking about Klaus Schwab, the leader of the World Economic Forum. And we're going to talk about him in the next segment. Klaus Schwab is a Nazi and Donald Trump met with him at the World Economic Forum and has not said one bad word about him that I'm aware of to this day. Final segment of the evening, segment number six, coming your way. Stick around. We'll be right back. Take away my soul. How much you want is 
Rob Carter Show. The Rob Carter Show. All right, everybody, welcome back. Final segment of this glorious Sunday evening. I want to start this segment by giving you my take on Klaus Schwab. If you're a longtime listener, you know exactly what's going on with Klaus Schwab. If you're a new listener, let me just paint the picture for you very briefly. What I think is going on in the world, and I think the evidence bears it out, the world is run by the World Economic Forum. The corporate power, the money of the world, meets in Davos at the World Economic Forum to figure out how to divvy up the resources and figure out how to get money out of your pocket and into theirs. As Donald Trump said, we got to get back to the business of America. Klaus Schwab is the leader of the World Economic Forum. And the way the world works, I think, again, the evidence bears this out, is you have the corporate money at the World Economic Forum. Uh, They control policy within the United Nations. And then the United Nations creates policy for the rest of the world to follow. If you look at the agenda of the United Nations and the agenda of the left in politics, it's the same thing. And you'd have to ask yourself, when you start to see that, where is the Republican Party? Where is the GOP to protect us against this transgender agenda, against the World Health Organization agenda? Where is the pushback on the right? Because with all of the screaming and yelling and fighting, they never get anything done. Doesn't it always seem like the country is moving toward the left, toward tyranny, toward compliance, toward craziness, chaos, nonstop? And if the GOP, and the right can't stop it from happening. Is it possible we are in a one-party system with the illusion of two parties so that we can continually fight as the system is being put into place? And if that's the case, and you have children, and you care about those children or your grandchildren, is our generation, the people that are 45 and above, are we going to sit back and allow this to happen? Are we just going to say, you know what, I hope it all works out for the best I hope that AI doesn't enslave us. I hope that digital currency and vaccine passports never come into play. I hope it just all works out because right now it's summertime, having a good time, watching a little baseball. I'm going over to the British Open to watch some golf, and we're all living our lives and not recognizing the danger that we are in. The idea that Joe Biden is the president of the United States should scare you to death. Now, you know he's not calling any shots, so who is? I say it's the World Economic Forum. I say it's policies out of the United Nations. And I think if you pay attention to all of it, you're going to see that I'm right on the mark. So let me introduce you to Klaus Schwab because most people don't know his history and what he's all about. He is the son of a very prominent Nazi, and he is the political leader of the World Economic Forum. And I say there's a correlation between Nazi Germany and and what's going on right now in the United States. If you were in Nazi Germany in 1933, I have the book, I'm looking at it right now, In the Garden of Beasts. That book is a uh, is a history lesson. It is the ambassador in Germany to the United States explaining what is going on when Hitler takes power right around 1933 in the lead up to World War II. And the German people, 
just were floating around like nothing's going on. They're building highways. Everybody's out shopping. Nobody's thinking of anything because they're creating wars all around them, but they don't even understand what's going on, nor do they care. They don't even understand what's happening. So when we bomb Iraq, when we go into Vietnam, when we go into Syria, when we go into Libya, when we go into Ukraine and send weapons all over the world, our people don't think anything of it. We believe that we're always under attack as we're attacking other countries around the world, and our people don't even pay attention to it. We're immune to what's going on around the world in our name, and I think it's frustrating. I think people should pay attention to it. So anyway, let me introduce you to Klaus Schwab. Check this out. Clip number two, three. Ready? Go. Professor Klaus Schwab was born in 1938 in Ravensburg, Germany, where Nazi crimes against humanity were committed. His father... Eugene Wilhelm Schwab was the managing director of Escher Weiss Ravensburg, a company that used slave labor to manufacture weapons of war for the Third Reich. While Klaus's father was at the helm, the Nazi party awarded Escher Weiss Ravensburg the title of National Socialist Model Company. Years later, Klaus Schwab joined the board of directors at Escher Weiss Ravensburg where he played a key role in the development of South Africa's nuclear weapons program during the darkest years of the racist apartheid regime. Today, Klaus Schwab is the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. Now, Klaus Schwab, a Nazi, wrote The Great Reset around COVID-19. Donald Trump went to meet with him several times, did a press conference, and I want to remind you what he said about Klaus Schwab. This is Donald Trump, our hero, talking about Klaus Schwab, a Nazi running the World Economic Forum, controlling the United Nations, and creating policy around the world. Klaus has done a fantastic job. I didn't hear what he said. What did he say? Klaus has done a fantastic job. Klaus has done a fantastic job. Isn't that something? That is our hero, Donald Trump. Now, what they want is a digital currency, a digital future for this country to where you have, uh, you're enslaved within AI. That's, that's the future that they want for this country. They want us tracked and they want compliance at all time. Build back better. Remember they were all saying build back better. When every Western country is saying build back better, you start to recognize that they are moving toward global governing they may not say it's you might just not say it's a global governing scheme but when all the governments start to get in lockstep with one another maybe we should pay attention to it because i've said from the very beginning what the people of the world want is the chinese system the chinese system is of compliance it's not freedom and you can argue whether you like that better or not but it's the tricks and the games that they're playing to get us there that make me very nervous because what's the ultimate situation going to be i went to china in october of 2019 had a lovely time um i have nothing bad to say about the chinese people or the society or what i saw go down there Um, but i don't live there i remember just a couple things just to give you an idea of the way the society is in china which is enormous by the way i show up i believe i had a minder there the entire time i was there on business and i had one particular guy that was with me everywhere i went And everybody else had business cards. And when I asked him for his business card, everybody kind of giggled, and he never gave me a business card, but he was everywhere that I went. And when I left, I got a bottle of wine from him. He could not have been a nicer guy, but he was almost like shadowing me throughout my stay there of about a week. And the very last day that I went there, and I've told this story before, I I just think it's interesting. Um, uh, We had dinner, 
And then part of the custom was to go up into this room. It's a karaoke room. When we go up there, they've got music on. They've got television on. It's a relatively small room. And me and a buddy of mine were sitting there, and I don't have any idea what's getting ready to happen. And all of a sudden, they trot in seven or eight young girls. I would have guessed these girls were between 12 and 16 years old. And you have to pick one of these girls to sit down next to you and play games. So I do this for a little bit because I think it's customary. I'm very weirded out by it. And I say, I got to go. I'm flying out tomorrow morning. I need to get up early. I got to get out of here. So the guy says, okay, you know, and he starts walking me to the elevator. And as I'm walking, this girl that was sitting next to me, I'm telling you, if she was, she could not have been more than 13 years old. And he goes, oh, so-and-so says you're very handsome and this and that and the other, which, you know, I think that's pretty obvious. But nonetheless, I don't know why this 13-year-old girl is saying this to me. It's bizarre. So their customs are a little bit stranger than ours, right? Two other things that I think you got to recognize. We were driving along the highway, and the guy was driving at a perfect speed limit. All the cars are going the speed limit. Nobody is going fast. You've got people riding donkeys on the side of the road. you got people riding horses on the side of the road. And you got Mercedes worth $150,000 driving on that very same road. But they're all going the speed limit. And I asked him about it. He said there is a... Uh, there's something, there's like wires across the highway and they time you from one spot to the next. And if you're going over the speed limit, they basically just send you uh, a ticket in the mail. When we had dinner one of the nights, we each uh, the, the factory owner that I was with and the people that were there uh, that I was there to see, uh, we had wine for dinner. When we had wine for dinner, an hour after that, we go out to his car. He can't drive his car. He calls somebody, shows up in a moped, on a moped, He puts the moped in the car and then drives us to our destination. I said, what's going on here? He said, well, we had a glass of wine. And when you have a glass of wine, you can't drive a car. So any alcohol, you can't drive a car. And I said, I said, well, you know, does, uh, is everybody complying with that? He said, oh yeah, it's the culture that if you have a glass of wine and you get in the car, there's video cameras everywhere and the people are supposed to tell on you. So the culture is, if you do something wrong, the culture tells on you. Now, I don't know if this is good, bad, or indifferent. I'm just giving you my experience in China. And the people in power want that system of compliance. No longer will you be free to uh, criticize your political opponents. No longer will you be able to call out your government. No longer will you have your destiny in your own hands. That is the fear that you should feel when you think about the future if we don't stop this train from running over us. And I don't think we need to be fearful. I think we need to be aware, and I think we need to get active very, very quickly. Here is Joe Rogan explaining this, and there's always music in these things that drive me crazy. I don't know why every time, I think these these come from TikTok, but every time they put them out, they have music behind them. So listen very closely as Joe Rogan explains what he believes is coming down uh, coming down the lane very fast, right at the American people. Joe Rogan, go. Yeah. People are pushing in a very obvious and very specific direction. They want digital currency, centralized digital currency that they control, and they want to get everybody on a social credit score system. They're probably connected to some sort of a vaccine app. Or if you want to travel around, all they would need is another pandemic to try to push that through. And they're already talking about that. The whole thing is so scary because it was effective. It was effective and very, very financially effective. I mean, they made a lot of money. They made a lot of money on COVID. That's exactly right. Consolidated power, shut down your businesses. If you remember, again, just so you remember, everybody wearing masks, little circles on the floor, uh, small businesses closed, Walmart and Target open, churches closed, Walmart and Target open, and we just allowed it. 
There was no pushback from the American citizens because we were frozen in fear when it happened. Last thing I want to talk about is there have been some, there have been some studies now coming out about COVID. Now, because I the COVID situation for me and the reason I continue to hammer this conversation is it's right before us. When you can see how they organized COVID, then you understand who and what is happening. Who's doing the, 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 the who is lying to you with a straight face and then always go, oh, we just got it wrong. No big deal. You took a vaccine, a gene therapy that you didn't need and it destroyed your life. So bad. So sorry. Uh, we didn't mean to do it. No big deal. We thought the world was going to end with this cold virus with a 99.5% recovery rate with no treatments. No big deal. Nobody's ever going to be held accountable. And I think it's absolutely insane that it's going on. Pfizer paid a $2.3 billion fine for lying about their medications, not the vaccines, but medications in the past. And then we allow these people to create a gene therapy and stick it in our arm with no data, uh, no, no safety data. It's, it's incredible. Here is Dr. Drew losing his mind over what went down with COVID. Check this out. This is Dr. Drew. Go. Strangest emotional reaction to this material because on one hand, I am mortified meets disgusted with what we've been through and what we're learning was happening and how I, and fine i i'm okay with these people saying we didn't know then why the certitude why the why why the destruction of anybody who had alternative opinions why get out there and say categorically this is so and what do you not understand how media works do you not understand the impact of your words it reminds me of the guys uh, signing the uh, hunter biden uh, thing about yeah they, they, like, we didn't know we were, just, we were just saying it looked like russia misinformation we're just saying it looks like it this is bullshit this is bullshit this is incredible we have to hold these people accountable the rfk said something incredible yesterday he said they somebody asked him what would you do as president if you were to bring this country together you know what he said get them to stop lying to us stop lying stop lying and we'll kind of come together on our own it would make a huge difference and by the way explain yourself and apologize i'll accept it but stop lying why don't you fixate yourself on COVID some more let me get into one more I think I'm going to play this. This is Peter McCullough. This is the most renowned heart surgeon or heart doctor, the most published heart doctor in the world, talking about studies coming out about the COVID gene therapies. Check this out. Arrived at 44 papers, 325 autopsies. Then we took each one of the autopsy results out and we put it as a single line item uh, with all the clinical description. And then we submitted that to adjudication, a blind adjudication. And we found that 73.9% of all the cases, it was either the vaccine as the direct cause of death or it significantly contributed to the death. The deaths occurred within a week or two after taking the last shot and uh, far more than 50%, the single cause was a cardiovascular cause of death. The CDC and the FDA at this point in time, the official narrative, is they still don't see any evidence that deaths are linked to the vaccine. It's unbelievable. Still to this day, they are pushing the narrative that the vaccines saved millions and millions of lives. Same thing Donald Trump says, despite all of the studies to the contrary, that narrative continues. That's all I got for you, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I'm I'm off next weekend, but you got to check out the show. I'm going to do a historical replay of my show, All of the things that you said we didn't know back in the day, we actually did know back in the day, and I'm going to prove it to you. Stick around tonight for Nick Schroer. He'll be up right after the break. Take care. The Rod Carter Show.
S R One.